Thank you for listening to this episode of the Young Baptist Podcast. My name is Josh Johnson, and I'm joined by my co-host, Clay Maynard. We're two guys committed to the centrality of the gospel, and we want to see our brothers and sisters captivated all over again by the beauty and glory of Christ. Good afternoon, evening, Clay. How are you? <laughs> Dr. Johnson, I'm doing all right, man. How are you? I'm doing well. It is a good day to have an honorary doctorate. <laughs> Josh, you ever listen to our opening, uh, the things we say right there to introduce the podcast and think back to the original conversations we had about what we wanted, the focus, when we were sort of crafting out the vision for our podcast? Do you, do you ever think back to those days? Yeah, sometimes I do. In fact, we're actually coming up on the one year anniversary of sitting at my house, sitting across the table from each other, brainstorming. Yeah, that's this true. This podcast. Wow. It's crazy, That's crazy that that was a year, almost a year ago. We've come a long ways. Yeah, we sure have. No, I just, I, I hear that and I think, man, I'm really glad we took that time to, to talk through that. And, and it's in our mission statement and we say it every single episode because, and I, and I just love it. I love that. That's the focus. Um, the gospel, the beauty and glory of Christ. You know, that language is such a central part of, of who we want to be as Christians, as, as, um, as ministers, as preachers. And uh, I just love it. Absolutely. And talking about, you know, the centrality of the gospel and the beauty and glory of Christ, we got to see that in a different venue altogether at the Shane and Shane concert we went to a couple of weeks ago. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that was, a, that was a lot of fun. If you've not been to see Shane and Shane live, you're missing that out. Is, that is a no brainer. You got to do that. I wouldn't even say, I've said this a couple of people and I don't know what your thoughts would be, but I've said to a few people, it wasn't a concert in the sense of they were there to just strictly be the night's entertainment. No. Like it was a gathering of, you know, the family of God to, to worship our great savior. It was amazing. Yeah. You hear a lot, you hear about a lot of worship nights, but that was a worship night. Oh yeah. Easily. That every single song was being sung by the entire congregation. I still, I still think the best moment of the night was Psalm 46, their song, Psalm 46, Hindu and Christ alone. Just, Oh yeah. You just Absolutely. can't top it. Yeah. And the, in the volume in that room singing in Christ alone, because that's become, you know, such a well-known, um, him, him. Yeah. and just the way, just the way the audience got into that song and man, people's hands in the air it brought tears there in my may eyes. May not man. have been it some so tears good. in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. I'd love to go see them again. That was that was such a fantastic concert. Well, Josh, we also went uh, axe throwing with a group of our men this last Saturday. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. It was very exciting. I see you're doubling down on that, and I you have did it to. on social it's media, so and good. I just left it alone. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Josh is the king of dry humor in my life, and. Uh, just keeps it coming. But it was a lot of fun. I was pretty terrible at it for most of the day. You were starting to get it there. As you know, we got down there. We had like, what, four hours or something ridiculous while we were there? Good grief. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it was supposed there, to be for an hour, but they didn't turn that timer on right away. No, but once we got closer to like halfway point, you're starting to pick up on it, I think. Yeah, I was, everything I've ever thrown in my life, uh, I've thrown... I mean, like you, I threw a baseball, you, there's a rotation on it. You throw a football, right. there's a rotation on it. Even a basketball, when I've 
past basketballs in my life. There's a you, you throw it and you rotate it, and I was doing that with the axe, and it was not, it was not, uh, it was not, not working well for me. No, it took me a while to figure out that's what was happening though. Somebody behind me was like, "Hey, man, you're not throwing that straight end over end." <laughs> right. I noticed for me that the more I threw it with like rage behind it, the better it, it seemed to to work out for me. So. Oh, take out some of your frustrations and that, that helped things. Yeah. I just started to think about stuff that I've seen on Twitter and man, I was just crushing it the rest of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Anything particular you'd like to discuss nope. here on the podcast? Josh? Nope. We're just going to leave that alone, Clay. <laughs> We're just going to leave that one alone. Well, Josh, we, we got red circle started. Yes, we did. Um, which is awesome. Which you, if you haven't, um, been there yet you can go to our our links are on our episodes and you can donate uh, to help us offset the cost of the podcast um, any you know any amount one-time gift recurring gift whatever amount you'd like um, and they're our new host partner and our new sort of platform to help us yep and with red circle we've also they allow they do like auto-generated youtube videos for us so that when an episode goes live not too long after, you know, within, you know, a few hours, basically of when the episode is live, we're able to post a video on a YouTube page specific to, uh, excuse me, specific to us. So you guys can go there and you can subscribe on YouTube, same content, just the audio, but who knows, maybe one day we'll develop that into something more, but that's another cool sure. feature that red circle gave to us. We do want to apologize to you guys though, on the front end of the last episode for uh, I hope not too many listeners. You may have heard an ad played at the beginning of the episode. This was not a host read ad. These would have been ads that were pre-recorded by some big company. And uh, the way that Red Circle works is they, when you hit a certain plateau, they automatically inject programmatic ads into the episode. And we were trying to avoid that. And I made a mistake and accidentally left it on. So we apologize for that. We aren't those guys. We haven't sold out just yet. And uh, <laughs> well, just, so, just so you're they didn't aware. They not us enough money, Josh. No, I mean, we made a whopping total of 59 cents. <laughs> so as you guys know, we're definitely in it for the money. And we felt like that was enough. We made enough out of that. Josh, I really thought Toyota and Geico can afford better than that. You know what I mean? I, I would have considered selling out if it, if if the money had been better. <laughs> I mean, I'm right there with you, but this is where we're at, man. This is where we're at. No, but I agree with you, Josh. We're I, I we might have some sponsors in the future, people that we, you know, look at. We like what they're doing. We they you know they fit well with our audience and what we're doing. We think it's something you guys would be interested in and it's something we'll believe in and be able to talk about. But now nah, we're not, <laughs> we're not that desperate for, for money that we're going to start uh, turning this into like the YouTube monetization system or, or any of these other platforms that are doing that stuff. Yeah. Like this is not the radio hour where you have commercial breaks every five minutes. Yeah. We we'll just be right back. <laughs> yeah. We just want you to get the content and try and be a help to you guys still. Yeah. Speaking of content, Josh, We've really enjoyed the last couple of weeks um, getting into fundamental doctrines. Yep. It's been, it's been really a lot good of, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. We, a couple of weeks ago, or now a month ago, we started by talking about the history of the, of the fundamentals, uh, what the original fundamentalists uh, did and, and why it was important and what it, what it was for. 
And last episode, we talked about fundamentalism, the history of fundamentalism, uh, what ha- has happened since then, uh, and where that leaves us today. Uh, it was so cool to have uh, Dr. Lyons on uh, to talk with us about that. Yep. And that brings us, I feel like, really neatly into, day- into today's topic. Tell them what we're talking about, Josh. Yeah, Clay, today we're going to cover the topic of theological triage. You're listening to the Young Baptist Podcast, a show that exists to call believers to committed faithfulness to God's Word, to equip Christians by answering the tough questions that need to be asked, and to challenge churches on everything that distracts us from the beauty and glory of Christ. Now, here's your hosts, Clay Maynard and Josh Johnson. So yeah, Clay, tonight we're going to talk about theological triage. Clay, what exactly is theological triage? Or maybe we should take a step back first and define what triage is. Yeah, triage is a medical term. Right. Uh, used the way we're using it, we're borrowing it as a metaphor uh, in Bible doctrine. But in, in medicine, triage is a system of prioritizing injuries. So when a medical professional arrives at the scene of uh, a tragedy or there are, maybe it's a military uh, medic, they arrive at a, on a battlefield, you even see this in the emergency room mm-hmm. where they prioritize the most important injuries so that life can be spared. You, know, you don't want to set a broken bone while somebody's bleeding to death. Right. And so it's a system of prioritizing the most important injuries so that people don't die. And so applied to theological issues, to doctrine, it's this understanding that not everything is created equal. Right. And there are some things that are more important than others. And I believe the the term theological triage was first coined by Al Mohler. Is that correct? I think so. Yeah. From what I understand, Al Mohler came up with the idea of theological triage, and it's the same exact theme. but. Uh, applied to Bible doctrines, it's a system of prioritization. And really, triage in general, but specifically theological triage, it helps us to to essentially draw lines of division. And Clay, I think we kind of need to put a little caveat here because the word division, especially in in the church world, is very rarely used in a positive light or in a beneficial light. It's almost always used in a negative connotation. Yeah, you're dividing you're dividing good things from each other. <laughs> yeah, and and like the idea, it's the idea that uh, you know brothers and sisters have had some sort of a silly disagreement and they are dividing from one another. It's really not usually over anything that's orthodox or genuinely that significant, but they're making a, a division. They're setting a line and parting ways. That's not what we're talking about right. tonight. Uh, no, divisions don't need to be negative. They're necessary. Right. We're not talking about you know, compromise. <laughs> right. You know, like you just said, divisions don't have to always be negative. They are necessary for our life. Yeah, there are, there are red lights yellow lights and green lights. They're not the same and they're not a bad thing. They're a good thing. Right. They help us distinguish one thing from another. And divisions are all over. You have divisions between the rooms of your house. What does it tell you? That different things happen in those different rooms. Yep. 
And those are valuable things. Divisions are a part of life and it doesn't need to be, always be seen as a negative thing. Now, division in the body of Christ can be a negative thing, but that's sure. not when we use the term dividing of doctrine. It is not to disparage certain doctrines. That's the important thing. And it's not to disparage our brothers and sisters. Right. Absolutely. Because, you know, someone that divides from someone else over a perceived, you know, compromise without ever hearing the other brother's heart they're not being vigilant. They're intentionally being divisive. Like they're seeking that division and, right. and you know, ain't nobody got time for that. So, uh, just to get that out there on the front end, like that is not what we're talking about when we're talking about division here. No, no. As a matter of fact, we're, we're talking about divisions that are essential to unity. Yep. The, we're talking about distinguishing things that actually benefit the unity of the body of Christ. That's actually one of the main goals. And, and this, the case for theological triage was made very well in a book by uh, Dr. Gavin Ortland. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually be, am familiar with the Ortlands um, through several of the Ortland family's ministries. Uh, more pro- most prominently in my familiar, level of familiarity was Dane Ortland's book, uh, which Gentle I just read this year, Gentle and Lowly. Uh, it's a book about the heart of Christ for sinners and sufferers. We actually did a giveaway earlier this year on that book. If you've not read that book, I mean, stop what you're doing and download or order that book. It's it's an amazing book. And I'm actually working through Gavin's book, uh, who's who's the brother of the one who wrote Gentle and Lowly. Um, and this book is called Finding the Right Hills to Die On. Uh, and he makes the, this case for theological triage. He's not the first one to do it. He's one of the first people to use those words. But this, this idea is not brand new, Josh. This is right. something that has been talked about for a long time. And we just talked about the fundamentalists. And that is exactly, in a way, what they were doing. They, were, they wanted to find out, hey, what can all Christians agree mm-hmm. are non-negotiable things? What they were trying to do is decide what are first-tier issues. But to get back to the point I was making, the point of them doing that was not to cause problems or to cause, cause division. It was to eliminate division. It was right. to bring unity among true believers. And I believe a real the, the, the usefulness of this concept of theological triage can be that. It can be that we're more unified than ever because we know what we really have to, div- to divide on and we know what we don't because we have a healthy view of of triage. We have a healthy view of recognizing the importance of things that are central to being a Christian uh, versus other things. Absolutely. And this, again, Josh, this is not to say that any of these things are, any Bible doctrine is unimportant. We're not saying that. Right. If it's Bible doctrine, it's important. Exactly. Uh, And, and, you know, you'll hear pushback when you, when when you start talking about this subject, one of the biggest pushbacks you'll get is, oh, you're saying that certain things in the Bible aren't important. No. If it's in the Bible, it's important. Right. But what relevance it has to being a Christian or how you live your Christian life or how, or whether or not we have to agree on it in order to fellowship as brothers and sisters in Christ, there are different levels to that. Yeah. Because we affirm the inspiration of the scriptures, we're in a way affirming that everything in the scriptures is essential for something in some way. Yep. So yep. when you, when you hear, cause we're going to in- inevitably say it tonight, when you hear us say that something may be non-essential, 
that doesn't mean it's not important. Uh, non-essential and unimportant are not the same thing. So right. uh, I think that's very, very important to get that out there at the front end. Yeah, it's just, it's Josh, unity. And, and Gavin talks a lot in his book about unity at the beginning. And I, you know, Josh, I really think that we have started to create this false dichotomy in some circles between unity and, and doctrinal purity as if we have to choose between those two hmm. that, that we have to, in order to be truly unified, we have to be a com- we have to compromise on doctrinal purity or to say it another way, to be doctrinally pure means you can't be completely unified. And I, and I know that there is a balance there, but I, I think we've set up a false dichotomy between those two. I don't have to compromise doctrinal purity to be in unity with the body of Christ. Sure. Um, and so I, I think the, I think theological triage is going to help. And we're going to work through this obviously in this episode, but, um, one of the things that Gavin says in his book that I, that I just loved, um, is he, I'll just give you this quote. He says, the unity of the church is not an optional add on something we can get to once we've gotten our doctrine straight, the church's unity is foundational to her identity and mission. Um, and he actually points out that Jesus says that this is, he actually says that ye will know that I am sent from God. The unity of the body of Christ is one of the greatest testimonies to our Christianity being legitimate, to it being real. Because anybody can be divided. But talk to the lost world about what persuades versus dissuades them of Christianity. And one of the biggest things they'll mention is division among Christians. Right. Uh, Gavin goes on in the book to say this, and I love this quote too. He says, Jesus does not have a plurality of brides. Mm. He has one bride and her unity is so important as Paul stipulates in Ephesians 2.14. Uh, he, he says it was one of the, uh, it was among the intended aims of Jesus atoning death. Well, what a powerful thing. And he's referring to Ephesians 2 where he says, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Um, and so, you know, that's, it's absolutely clear there that unity is not a, is not some, it's not something we can just cast off or treat as unimportant, or treat as secondary. And one of the things, Josh, that I think we can do is think that because we're contending for doctrine, that that makes it devoid of pride. Mm-hmm. That because what I'm fighting for is, is found in Scripture, that, I can, that that automatically purifies me in doing it. And I don't believe that that's true. Um, there is as much separatism that comes from pride as there is that comes from holiness. Right. Division can be fun and enjoyable in the flesh. It can. And we're lying to ourselves if we're not willing to admit that we do as much of that as the other. Uh, as John Newton actually said, he said, self-righteousness can feed upon doctrine as yeah. well as works. And so I just that's just a, an important thing to, to start with. And that is that we should fight for unity. Everybody wants to fight for something. Let's fight for unity. It's complex. It's difficult. It's not easy in the body of Christ, but we should be fighting for it. Well, and I think on the other side of that too, Clay, is 
while I believe, and I agree with what you're saying, that there's been like this false dichotomy of unity and doctrinal purity. Um, I also believe that we see a misunderstanding uh, that unity has to always equal uniformity. And that is something else that doctrinal triage addresses. Yes. And that the only way for us to be unified with our brothers is if we if we are exactly the same. Hmm. And, no, and that just that just leads to sectarianism. Well, and I'm not tr- I'm trying to not get ahead of us too much here cuz we're ju- we're just really getting started. But if we go backwards two episodes to the fundamental our episode on the fundamentals, you'll even see in that that the original fundamentalists, the ones who who wrote those essays, they would have never believed that unity equaled uniformity because yes, outside of the, the core doctrines, I mean, you're talking about every other kind of doctrinal persuasion and denominational (laughs) tradition you could have possibly imagined. So unity and uniformity do not, they don't have to hold hands with one another. Nope. Uh, it's it's really okay if you aren't exactly like your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's really okay, and you can still be united with them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I know we'll talk about this subject of unity throughout the episode, but I, I just I loved I love the focus on that. Um, we do not have to compromise doctrinal purity or courage or conviction to to make sure that we're passing the test of love for the, for the church mm-hmm. that we're passing the test of we're going to show charity to our brothers in Christ. Well, and Jesus even said in, in John, we don't read Jesus saying to his disciples by this, shall men know that you're my disciples by your tenacious doctrinal defense, but it's by <laughs> your love one for another. Yep. So the unity of the church is near to the heart of Christ. And I think because of that, Clay, it needs to be near to our hearts as well. As we are here on this earth, you know, awaiting for that day when we're either uh, in the presence of Christ through, through death or he comes back for his church. That should be our heart as well as the unity of the church. So... Uh, I think that is, I think that's foundational. I'm glad you brought it up that that's exactly why this is such a big deal because the unity of the church is a big deal to Jesus Christ. Amen. Throughout the rest of this episode, really, we're kind of going to be riffing off of what Gavin said in his book, Finding the Right Hills to Die On. Yeah. After apologizing for having advertising. We're just going to use the rest of this ad episode to advertise for Gavin Ortland's book. Yeah, basically. <laughs> because he's paying but us a lot more than Geico was. <laughs> stay tuned to the end. There may be something you want to get involved in. But anyways, uh, yeah, so we're going to kind of use his, his uh, outline there as we go through this. And there's really four questions that are helpful to ask when you're determining the priority of a Bible doctrine. Yeah. And Josh, if I could, just before we get any further to to anyone who's questioning, Hey, like how many levels should there be? You said there's four, you know, we're going to ask four questions. 
you know, why four? Well, this is just the this is just the rubric that Gavin lays out in his book, and it, it's it, it's not authoritative. It's not the only way to think about it, but it's a helpful way. I found it pretty yes. helpful. Um, and you might, as you're listening, tweak these a little bit. It's just, but it's an important. I thought the I think the tiers that he lays out is a good starting point for you to think for yourself on on how to on how to distinguish between some things versus other things. You know, it's not the only way to do it. It's just, it's just a really good way because he put a lot of thought into it, obviously, in his book. Um, but he, one of the things I like that he points out, Josh, is it, just for anybody out there who's saying, how do you, who are we to decide what is more important than others? Well, you know, in one way, all sin is the same, right? Uh, James says that if you've, uh, if you've kept the whole law, but you're guilty in only one point, you're, you're guilty of all of it. But there are things that are that are different than others. Okay, uh, if you read the Old Testament, there are some sins that that are that are called abominations, um, and there are sins that aren't called abominations. There, um, Jesus refers to in Matthew the weightier matters of the law. Uh, he he, Jesus even talks about greater degrees of punishment for some people versus others based on that particular sin. Um. And you see, even see in the Old Testament under the law, the, the law had provisions for, um, for what was called sins of presumption, presumptuous sins versus sins of ignorance. In other words, some were intentional sin. You knew it was sin and some were, were you didn't realize it was sin. You, you made a mistake. Um, there are, James talks about a sin that leads to death. I mean, so, I, I, you know, it might sound good to say, I believe all the Bible. I believe all, everything's important, right? Um, but that's not, that's hard to, Gavin makes the point well in the book that that's hard to justify biblically. Um, you know, because in Romans 14, for example, that's one, uh, that's a passage we've covered on this podcast in some length, but he talks about things that people disagree on and says, it's okay. In first Corinthians one, Paul even says, I came not to baptize, but to, but to preach the gospel. That sounds like certain things are more important than others to me, Josh. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I'm saying all that to say, if you're sitting here listening to this and you're thinking, oh, well, how do you decide which tier it's in? The, the Bible anticipates that we can do that. Because Jesus does that. The apostles do that. And so I think the important thing is that we're examining scripture and determining where they fit. Mm-hmm. That's the important thing. It's, 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 but we shouldn't, we shouldn't take... Um, this this sort of machismo that says i believe the whole bible and think that that means i'm better than somebody else because they recognize the difference in importance between different doctrines you don't believe it any more than they do they just right. they just recognize those differences and i would add uh, in addition to that we're going to use some examples uh, as we go through these different tiers um but we're going to try and be as as vague, if you will, as possible, because we understand that there's the potential that we could say something that, that we esteem to be a certain tier and everyone's going to walk away and be like, well, that's a third tier doctrine. And that's definitely not what we're going for. We definitely want you to to uh, be fully persuaded in your own mind about uh, the different doctrines of the Bible. So on the front end, we're not, but if we're not trying to manipulate to our, you into those things. If you stop listening to our podcast over it and it's not first tier you're disobeying the rules. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, Clay, I thought that was kind of going without saying, but. 
Okay, so the first is, is it essential? So in other words, is the doctrine that is in question essential for the gospel and for Christian orthodoxy? And really, Clay, we really kind of uh, spent a whole episode talking about this when yeah. we talked about the fundamentals. So probably not a whole lot to uh, go into on this, but this is something that you would ask, is this to consider to be a non-negotiable when it comes to whether or not you're in the faith? These shape what we believe as Christians. Um, you know, an example would be the virgin birth of Christ or the, you know, the five fundamentals we previously discussed. These things, uh, there's no, there's no work around here. These are the essentials of the faith. Um, that's the, that would be the first question to ask. Is it essential? That establishes the first tier. Is it essential to our faith? And then the second question that Gavin asks would be, is it urgent? Is the doctrine in question one that is urgent for the church, but not essential to the gospel? And I think this one, Clay, is, I don't know about you, but I feel like everything outside of the gospel just gets shoved into the second tier. <laughs> and like, we just leave it there like, oh, that's just second tier issue. And we move on with our lives. And I think it's important to make more distinctions than just two. Yeah. Well, because to begin if, with. Yeah, you're right. Because if you're not careful, uh, this second tier ends up becoming not urgent, but unimportant altogether. Like it's like it's yes. either essential or it's unimportant. And I know we'll talk more about that, the, the error that that is in a little bit. But but that is the temptation to just create two categories. Either it's the gospel or either there's a gospel issue or it's not an issue at all. And that's that's a mistake. Well, but then also what it does is if we take something that's a that's not essential and we make it urgent for the church, then there are things that are getting way overvalued. Yes. When it comes to doctrinal priority. Yeah. Everything else in the Bible is urgent. Yes. These doctrines would be Even the doctrines. Even in the Bible, those are urgent too. <laughs> yeah, like the maps in the back of your Bible. Like, <laughs> those are urgent, man. <laughs> Let's go, man. The, the, the concordance. The, the concordance. The leather. The ribbon your, in the middle. Uh, you know, does your Bible have the family tree in the front? <laughs> yeah. That's super important, man. <laughs> what about the signatures in the front? Ooh. Let me see here. It depends on whose is in there, right? <laughs> I've got a bunch of them here. I'm going to read off some names. We're just going to take a little caveat. This is entertainment hour on the Young Baptist podcast. <laughs> Tom Farrell. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. Rick Flanders. Scribble, scribble, scribble. <laughs> uh, the great Dr. Brian Sams. Nice. Scribble. Lou Rossi. Yeah. Wow. And that's it. I had Dr. Peter S. Ruckman in one of my Bibles. Ooh. Uh, well, folks, that's the end of the Young Baptist podcast because Clay is more <laughs> sanctified than the rest of us. <laughs> the moment oh, I said his name, half of the listeners literally gasped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did we end up here anyways? Um, all right, let's get back on target if we can. <laughs> <laughs> Those things are not uh, urgent. I guess we're agreeing on that, right? That's exactly what we're trying to say. Those things are not urgent. So what are urgent doctrines then, Clay? 
Well, it's something that would help you determine determine um, where you'll go to church, right? What denomination you're a part of. These these doctrines divide some Christians in service, um, but they shouldn't divide them in spirit. Yeah, is that fair? They help us. Yeah, they help us understand like locally and denominationally where we'll go and what what church we'll participate in and, and be involved in. Yeah, it can divide us in service, but it shouldn't divide us in spirit. These are things that are are valuable. You have to know what, what you believe about these things to know how your church will operate and how you'll serve God in those ways. These are very practical often, but like Paul contrasts baptism with right. the gospel. I think baptism is something you have to put in this second category. Do you have to be baptized to be saved? No. Oh, now see, that's a really good thing to bring up here, Clay, though. We is, don't believe that baptism is salvific. So so it has to be in the second category. Unless I know what you're going for here. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, that's a really good thing to to bring up right now. Is you can't look at these these tears as hard and fast things because if you believe baptism is salvific, you've just made baptism a first tier issue. Yeah, you've elevated it by because this is salvation now that yes. you're tangling it with. Yeah. Yeah, you can make any urgent issue an essential, uh, uh, a, a heresy. Mm-hmm. So elevating yeah. an urgent thing that's not a gospel issue to a gospel issue is can be her, can be heretical. Yep. If you're not careful, because you. you you plug south you blo- you plug um, baptism into justification, and we have a real problem because baptism is not required to be saved. Uh, the thief on the cross was never baptized, mm-hmm. uh, and he was in heaven. Uh, he didn't get to do that. He he, he got the essential things. <laughs> he just didn't get all of the urgent things. It's okay. He didn't live long enough to need the urgent things. All right. But but baptism, yeah, that's a perfect one. Paul makes that distinction. I didn't come to baptize. I came to preach the gospel. What is he saying? When I was there, I was just focused on the essential. I didn't, we, we couldn't get to all the urgent. Doesn't mean it's unimportant at all. These are still very important things. Right. The Bible talks about baptism. We teach on baptism. Our name is the Young Baptist Podcast. <laughs> we care about it. It's valuable. It's important. It's not the most important thing. It just you helps know, us it know who we are in a fellowship with, where we're going to go to church. That's right. Those are those are important things to know. That's how we make those distinctions is by is by figuring out what is urgent for the church. Josh, a, f- uh, a friend of mine. Uh, I saw on social media, he was commenting on the subject of baptism and he said that there was a, a young girl who had been burned very badly and was on her deathbed and her, and I might get some small elements of this story wrong, but essentially she was on her deathbed from severe burning and somebody sat with her, opened their Bible, gave her the gospel and she trusted Christ. Hmm on her deathbed because of her condition, she was not able to be baptized, but she wanted to do something to symbolize her faith in Christ. And so what they did is they went and got a small bowl of water and they poured some on her head. I'm not talking about this story to um, suggest or to (laughs) make recommendations. I'm simply saying that, um, are we going to say that she's not a real Christian? Of course not. You're right. We would never say that. If she put her faith and trust in Christ laying on that bed, she's in heaven today. Sure. So this is why when you talk about, I heard somebody recently talking about the fundamentals of the faith and they were talking about the original fundamentalists. 
And Josh, you might have seen this clip I'm talking about. The guy got up and said, the fundamentalists were wrong. The early fundamentalists were wrong because they didn't include baptism by immersion. Well, hold hold Hmm. on. If I'm making that an essential to the gospel issue, then I'm saying that that young lady who laid on that on her deathbed because she didn't do it right, that, that that messed the gospel up in her life. That can't be the case. Well, or, I think that guy was trying to advocate for extremely baptistic doctrine. Right. He, and he was. He was. Which but, but it, shows but you why, like, that's not even an essential. Baptistic no. doctrine is not essential. No, it, it's not an essential. Is it urgent? Yes, it's not essential. I think we've kind of maybe covered that. So what do you think, Josh? Anything else? I don't think so, Clay. <laughs> we'll just move on to the next one. Yeah, let's just go on from there. Uh, <laughs> then the next question would be, is it important? Now, this already sounds like at the outset important. Like, aren't we talking about important doctrines anyways? Okay, chill out a little bit. Uh, He says it this way, and he clarifies with the question, is the doctrine in question important to Christian theology? These are the doctrines that are neither urgent for the church or essential to orthodoxy. Um, So, like, these are essential essential doctrines, but you, you can never... Let me rephrase that. You should never justify separating from a brother or dividing from somebody over one of these important doctrines. And I think when a, a great classic example that Ortland uses in the book is eschatology. So you're saying I shouldn't um, I shouldn't separate from brothers in Christ because um, they believe the left behind model? No, I, I don't think so. You should separate from their choice of uh, literature. <laughs> fictional reading <laughs> but <laughs> Josh I can't even think about the Antichrist without seeing Nikolai Carpathia in my mind you ready for a confession <laughs> what's I've that I've never seen those movies no you never read never the books or watched them. the movies nope no. oh, we did all of them Josh I read all of them. the adult books I read all of the left behind kids versions wow there was like 40 of them. They were small, but there was like 40 of them. We would look forward to them. When they came out, we'd go to Books a Million just to get them. Wow. That's, imp- that's impressive. Oh, I would, I would read that the first one. We'd, they, they, they released the kids' books two at a time. We'd go pick up both of them at Books a Million. We'd come home, and I'd have the first one read that night. Unbelievable. <laughs> we didn't grow up with television, Josh. Okay, this is as good as it got for us. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't be too surprised. This is coming from the guy who like loves the Lord of the Rings. So, I mean, this all just <laughs> seems to fit in together. Super great. You're just all about that fantasy stuff. Hey, <laughs> you know what? Coming from a guy who has one of the best Gollum voices I've ever heard. I don't want to hear well, you yeah, picking on me true. about anything. That's never going to happen on a podcast, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Josh? When we when we make our red circle tiers, where we have like special donor classes, we'll let them yeah. hear your Gollum voice. Okay, that's for a special fair. price. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. So important. You mentioned eschatology. Yeah. You are you pre millennial? Are you post millennial? Are you pre tribulational, mid tribulational rapture? Um, these are things people can disagree on and. Is there even a case to be made that you should separate it all from people over this? Mm. What's the case? And I think in the sense of like, I don't know the answer to that, to be honest with you. I don't know that it necessarily is. If you have a different view than I do on the end times, we can. I think we can still have good fellowship with one another. 
Yeah. Well, well, let me ask you this, because this is something that may be tangential to eschatology. What about dispensationalism versus covenant theology versus, you know, like are the... I still would say they're important doctrines, but they're not... They're not urgent. No. They're mm-hmm. in that third category. I, I per, That's for me personally. That's what yeah. I personally have espoused on that. And then there's the last question, Clay. The last question. Is it, is it unimportant? Now, that's not to say that something you read in the Bible is unimportant. These are just the doctrines that have no bearing on Christian fellowship at all. Yeah. Is it, is it fair to say, Josh, that these are the doctrines that Scripture may affect in some way, but Scripture is not explicit about? Yeah, I would say so. The doctrine is something that is is can be important to some people. But as a matter of Christian doctrine to the church as a whole, it's not important. No. We can disagree on it entirely. Uh, and it's just not important. It it doesn't have, like you said, it or and like Gavin points out, it doesn't have any bearing on Christian fellowship mm-hmm. in any way. And unfortunately, I think I've seen personally too many occasions where this this tier, if you will, is the reason that people get so frustrated at each other and divide from each other. And and it's just so silly and it's petty stuff. Uh, I'm not going to give any examples on this. I think I've heard them. I mean, I could give a few. Yeah. I could give a few. You, You hear stuff like glass pulpits or the arrangement of the furniture in your sanctuary or colors or worship you know, styles. Whether or not, yeah. Whether or not what somebody's wearing a tie or what, so, I mean, in the past there's been conversations about style of glasses that people would wear or um, things. Like, I mean, there, there's just crazy stuff that people get really uh, focused on. And, and I think we kind of dealt with that a little bit in our last episode on the history of fundamentalism, because you find that people, tend to tr- be trying to preserve a culture and because they felt like the church was in a healthier place in that time frame, And they might even in some ways be right about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might, might, may or may not. That's a, that's a different conversation entirely, but, but they look back to a time that's sort of, they, it's nostalgia a little bit and they think, well, maybe the culture had something to do with that. So they, they're trying to replicate. And so what happens when you're trying to replicate a culture because you think that that was in some way connected to spiritual health you can start to take unimportant things and start elevating it up this list of tiers. You can start saying, mm-hmm. no, we've got to, we've got to treat something that's completely unimportant like it is important. Josh, I mean, if, if the apostles weren't even talking about it, how could it be important? I, I don't, I don't have an answer for that, Clay. You know what I mean? D- does that make sense though? Really like it, yeah. if they, if it wasn't even a conversation among the church fathers, if for <laughs> almost 2000 years of Christian history, it was never being talked about. How could it be important Christian doctrine? Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that you can't hold those positions. If you want to hold those positions, go for it, man. And and scripture might have something to say to you specifically. Like you might in in the in the exercise of spiritual disciplines and the exercise of scriptural doc practices, you might find the Holy Spirit leading you in those areas. Yeah. In a specific way. And you should obey the Holy Spirit in that. It's it's just not something that's biblically mandated. You you can't find scripture for a lot of things. And that's what falls into these unimportant categories. Josh, you've got people who will drop missionaries over these unimportant ca- issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? unfortunately, uh, which is which is mind blowing to me. You'd leave you could you would leave a missionary stranded on the field over these. And I and I have people who would say to me, 
I've had people, in fact, I have had people say to me, doesn't it bother you when somebody, you know, travels and raises support for their mission work one way? And then when they get to the mission field, they, they change things. Um, I, I don't, I think it matters what category of thing they're changing, right? Right. It matters in your, in your framework of theological triage. How important is it? People should be allowed to change. People grow. Yeah. They shouldn't change foundational things. They shouldn't change essential doctrines. And you could argue that they should figure out the urgent things, that second tier. They should figure those out before they get that far into ministry. Yeah, I would agree. But after that, it, 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 we just should we should probably hold with a little more of an open hand, especially that fourth category, the unimportant things. Yep. That shouldn't affect Christian fellowship. If it's if it shouldn't affect our Christian fellowship, if there's not scripture for it, why would I remove support from from a mission where they're giving the gospel, where they're straight on the essentials, sure. and where we even oftentimes agree on the urgent? Mm. You know. Why can't there be unity there? Why isn't that? A, why aren't we fighting for unity? Because it feels like we're fighting. We, we're certainly fighting sometimes in pride. It feels like we're just fighting for something to fight over. We're yeah. looking for that thing to separate over. That it's, it's, a, it's a hyper separatist tendency. So, yeah, which that's a great segue, Clay, into why theological triage is, is important. And uh, really... Ortland details two particular reasons. I think we should just highlight these and then kind of wrap it up from there. Sure. Really, first, it it protects us. Theological triage protects us from becoming hyper-separatists. Uh, Ortland would call it um, doctrinal sectarianism mm. in that every doctrine is equal important. And so if you mess up on one doctrine, it's over. Like we're we're dividing from each other. And it's, I think, I think triage is a protection here because it it helps us realize that not everything is worth separating over. Yep. Not everything is worth dividing over. And yes, everything in the Bible is important, but not everything is of equal importance. And when someone is in this, this, this hyper separatist, this doctrinal sectarian like position, there is nothing Doctrinally, that is off the table of separation, if I can say it that way. Absolutely. Like everything is free game. You burp wrong and I'm going to separate from you. Like, <laughs> like it's bad, you know? Yeah, if I disagree with you on, uh, on whether or not, I mean, Josh, I've, one of my close friends disagrees with me on church polity. And when we did our episodes on church autonomy, and then we did it, another episode on the two offices, we talked about, we dabbled in church polity on both of those. He completely disagrees with me on church polity. Who cares? <laughs> like, right. I mean, it might be, that might be an urgent matter if we went to the same church where, you know, we'd have to work that out. But like, it, it, we don't go to church together, but like disagreeing on that, do I need to separate from this person? No, that's a hyper separatist thing. Like to sit there mm-hmm. and, and the temptation is to paint somebody who disagrees with you on an issue as the worst caricature or the worst version of that. Right. Um, as a way of, of focusing on the things that divide us. And we should fight for unity. Yeah, absolutely. Fight for common I, ground. Go ahead. I also think this can happen subtly. I kind of wrote this down because I, I didn't want to forget it. 
you know, someone may choose not to divide over little tiny things, right? Uh, something they may have divided over in the, in the past to be perceived as charitable and balanced. But if you cross a certain line that they have drawn in their mind, like a doctrinal line, you know, and one that's not traditionally drawn by the greater testimony of the scripture or the church, I mean, they, they're gone, man. They're going to, they're going to separate from you faster than a pickle with a jetpack. Yeah. Well, you're saying that there, there are people who convince themselves that they're gracious because they've picked a few things that they now allow essentially. Yeah. They've picked a few things that they didn't used to allow that they now allow. So they've convinced themselves that they're now being gracious when in reality, they st- all they've done is move that line a little bit, mm-hmm. and you, they still have those hard and fast rules that you can't. You're not allowed to disagree with them on. So we have to, we just have to be careful that we're not, we're not just looking for opportunities to cut our brothers off, cut our brothers and sisters off in different doctrinal ways, and to to say to slow down a little bit, to breathe, if you will. And say, okay, this person believes a little bit different than I do on this issue. But that's not a gospel issue. So that's okay. And we can still have fellowship. Yeah, Josh, the Bible translation issue is interesting when you talk about theological triage. Because you know this is something that more recently in the last few generations has become more of a conversation among Baptists. It wasn't really something that needed to be discussed before because, I mean, there certainly were multiple manuscripts out there and whatever, but you didn't see the pl- the plethora of stuff that's called Bible translations today. Like everything right. now is a Bible translation, and you can't honestly say that. You look at some of these, they're not real Bible translations. And, you know, in today's day, you have to be, we have to be clear, this is a second tier issue because you don't have to have the right Bible translation to be saved. Right. It's not a requirement for salvation. It's not it's not essential to the gospel. What's essential to the gospel is the gospel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the doctrines that directly support the gospel. You have to believe inerrancy of scripture is essential. You have to believe that the Bible is the word of God and that it's sent from God. But whether I mean there's some people who don't like any of the translations and I I've met people who actually read Greek. <laughs> sure. Um and that's their thing. Well, I think that's pretty well, it's a pretty high bar to set for anybody else. But <laughs> I think your church needs to agree on this. I don't think you can exactly go to a church where there's a lot of division over this. It's it's an urgent matter for the church to discuss. Mm-hmm. And so we can't minimalize things that are important, but we also can't elevate things above where they belong. And I think this translation issue, a lot of people disagree about this, that are all brothers in Christ. Yes. And they can have unity around the gospel, even though they may have disagreements on this particular area. Well, I mean, you and I have friends that we're very close to that, you know, we probably don't even see eye to eye on all of these finer points, you know? Yeah. That's but one of those, we don't Josh, hate that's one each of those other. Issues. You ever feel like <laughs> you, you start talking about a particular point of doctrine uh, or, or for in this, in this example, Bible translations where the more you talk to others about it and the more you, study it, you feel like you got to have a degree to even understand what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But the, the amount of study that goes into some of these things is really intense. 
And, and this, is a, this is a great example of why grace is important. This is a good example of why charity and striving for unity is important on the things we can. And I think, unfortunately, because doctrinal sectarianism is such a big thing, especially in the environments we have been exposed to in the past, I think that because that's so big, there's also a fear in a way to enter into conversations about these second, third, fourth tier issues. Mm. because it's all been painted as, no, this is not a second tier issue. This is like a dividing line issue. Yeah, you can't even talk about it without without worrying that somebody else doesn't have a healthy view of theological triage, because if they don't, you could be thought of as a heretic just like that. Yep, yep. So we have to, we have to, guard ourselves from that that doctrinal sectarianism like the way gavin puts it everything is worth dividing over we have to be careful with that but there's always there's two sides of every coin isn't there clay uh Mm -hmm. then on the other end of the spectrum though is that theological triage it helps protect us from becoming uh minimalistic uh as as ortland would put it doctrinal minimalists the idea that well uh if they get the gospel right it doesn't matter anything else that they do you know like Mm. all the other doctrines don't matter it's just the gospel and there's like there's sort of a draw in that especially if you've been in a more of a a hyper separatist doctrinal sectarian situation there is a draw towards that yeah it's the pendulum swing to the other side it feels like, wow, look at this. They, they've just like, let the gospel run free. This is so fantastic. These are all my brothers. <laughs> yeah, like we're all a family. <laughs> so let's just hold hands and sing kumbaya. Yeah, but you 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 got to be careful there too, I would say, because there is doctrine that's worth dividing over yeah. in the sense of making distinctions. Right. There, you, you said, uh, you said there, that it's minimalism. You're saying it's either the gospel or it's, or it's not important at all. Yeah. The, cause, the, cause yeah, that's the, the, it's the, it's the opposite end of saying everything's as important as the gospel is saying nothing's important at all. If it's not the gospel, mm-hmm. you know, if it's not the deity of Christ or the bodily resurrection or the inerrancy of scripture or the miracles, or if it's not one of those, uh, it just doesn't matter, you know, which is, yeah, which is not true. It's not true. And well, I think there's that, that, you know, there's that desire for unity that can sometimes override important things. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. that, that desire to be ecumenical. And we all probably, some more than others, but we all kind of feel that, that impulse sometimes maybe. I think some people more than others just like to get along with people. They don't like confrontation. So it's like, hey, man, if they're Christians, who cares? And they very, may very well be in heaven with you. And we've we should treat them as brothers. We should treat them with charity, but it doesn't mean that none of these things matter. The, the Bible is not, it, the Bible has a lot to say about a lot of issues that aren't just about you getting saved. Right. It's not, it's not just about justification by faith and, and the doctrines that support that. There's other things that get talked about. Would you say that when we are unwilling to make distinctions, to have divisions over second, third, fourth tier issues, you know, would you say that in a sense we're unintentionally diluting the significance of those other issues? Like we're just kind of saying mm, they're really not significant 
they're not important. Do you think that's sort of an unintentional side effect of all of that? Sure. Yeah, I believe so. And it's when we were talking about the fundamentals, uh, I'm sorry, the fundamentalists, uh, you know, Dr. Lyon was talking about the fact that the Graham, Billy Graham model was to treat it like it's the gospel or it's nothing. You know, mm. uh, I know how I do it, but Hey, I don't, you know, you, you can come pray up here and you can come and And what you do is you do muddy the waters on, on those urgent issues when you do that. And so it does, it treats, it treats them like, like if it's not, if it's not about salvation, the, the justification by faith, it doesn't matter at all. And that's a mistake because it, there's, there's more than one kind of, um, doctrinal impurity. And I think to believe, I think what you believe affects how you behave. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 true that when you don't practice biblical doctrine in ways that's consistent with Scripture, there are consequences for those things, and it's beyond just justification by faith. It's it's a lot of other stuff that, as we said before, that second tier is called urgent for a reason. <laughs> if you don't have if you if you don't have a, a well thought out approach to it, it can cause real problems, both in the test both in the church. And in the testimony of the church to the lost world. Well, and Josh, I think one of the more important things in this whole conversation is that we engage people in these areas, allowing for those disagreements with charity. And that's, and that's really one of the biggest lessons of theolo- theological triage mm-hmm. is to be willing to talk to one another. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think about even somebody who's lost, who is wrong on the essentials. How do we treat them? We treat them with love and grace, with grace, right? We show compassion to them. We, we want to reach them with the gospel. We want to be persuasive. Why should when we, after we're Christians, <laughs> why should we then start ranking doctrine in such a way that we can't behave that way toward people who, are, who claim the name of Christ? Hmm. Even if somebody's a heretic, even if somebody believes false doctrine and heresy are are primary disposition. I mean, we're not going to sugarcoat it. We're not going to call it what it isn't. We're not going to say that evil's good and good is evil. We're not going to do that. We're going to be, we're going to be honest about the fact that what they're, we should show courage in those situations to say, this is false, mm-hmm. but our primary disposition should be to win them that the right. grace and, and, and gospel of Jesus Christ could win them. So how much more as we look at secondary issues, important issues, should we not still show that grace to people who are part of the bride of Christ? Yeah. Gavin said in the book, he said, even when the error we oppose is a deadly heresy, our aim must be to heal, not to disgrace. And in all our Mm. theological engagements with each other, we must be sure that our ultimate goal is to promote the godliness and welfare of the church. I think at the end of the day, that's what this all, this whole thing boils down to is the promotion of the godliness and the welfare of the church. And when we let that be our motivation, when we let that be what drives us, there's room for disagreement, but gracious disagreement for the sake of the godliness and the welfare of the church. Yeah, and it, and it matters that we're representing Christ. That, that's something we have to realize. Josh, I think it's tempting to be tribalistic. I don't know what it is about uh, human beings like there's just something in the way that we're wired, maybe as fallen human beings that we're just, we want to be on a team. <laughs> yeah. And we want to fight for our team. 
I have uh, relatives who are Bama fans. Bless and, their heart. Um, <laughs> in Alabama, those of you who don't know this, in Alabama, they don't have a professional team, which means that Auburn and Bama are their professional teams. <laughs> and they are absolutely nuts about their college football. And I remember being at a family event one time and a few jokes got made about college football and they were jokes. I promise you they were. And you would have thought a fight was going to happen yeah, at, at a family gathering. <laughs> and I, I just, you take a step back from that and you realize is college football really this important at a family gathering for real? Like these, these relatively made up loyalties. And I know I'm going to offend some of you just by saying this because you have idolatry in your heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, there it is. Bring it. Well, I'm just going to say it. Like, uh, listen, th these are these are colleges. <laughs> like, what in the world? It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, who cares about the Seminoles? Hey, Josh, watch it. Or the Buckeyes. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, it's fun. It's fun to have these teams. It's fun to root for them. It's fun to, you know, talk trash with your friends and stuff like that. But but when you see that tribalism, you we notice, hey, that's ugly, right? We notice that. We're like, hey, that's that's not a good thing. And everybody at that family gathering even seemed to feel like, hey, this is this is unreasonable that this is uncomfortable. Um, but we we just have that there's something about our sociology. It's like this us versus th them thing is a big deal to us. But we're fools if we don't recognize the very dark, very ungodly attitudes and impulses that can result from that. Hmm. And even when we're, and, and we do this when we're picking doctrinal teams, sometimes we're, we're motivated as much often in our disagreements and in our disputes by pride. Um, I believe often more than we are by anything holy or anything pure. And that, that's the, that's the real issue. We study doctrine, Josh, not for doctrine's sake. We don't study theology for theology's sake. We don't study truth. We don't want to know the truth for truth's sake. We want to understand doctrine and we want to know the study theology and we want to know truth because it leads us to Jesus. Right. So if that's true, then we need to look at how Jesus represented truth. Mm. He communicated absolutely with truth, but he, it did not override his love and his compassion. He communicated with love, not with cynicism. And he certainly had his moments where he spoke the truth harshly, but those were often to the separatists. Mm -hmm. It was often to people who were mixing up what was important doctrine and what wasn't. He was, he was calling them out of that false religion. And it's false religion to do that. It's, it's the same thing. We do, this, we do this today. Pure religion is what? It's to take care of widows and orphans and to, and to keep ourselves from, from the world. Mm -hmm. that's James chapter one. So I, I just want to get to a place, Josh, and I'm, I'm not perfect about this. You can follow me on Twitter for a while if you don't believe that, but, <laughs> but I want to get better about this. And it's, it's giving people the benefit of the doubt when they're a brother in Christ. Mm. It's, I'd rather err on the side of naivete than cynicism. And, um, I just want to learn to communicate with love and I want to look more and more like Jesus. And I think, I think what, what will help us with this is if we find our identity in Jesus, mm -hmm. not in our tribe. If we find our identity in Jesus, not in our doctrine, 
The doctrine is there to point us to Jesus. Yep. And so when we can find brothers and sisters in Christ who are looking to the same Savior, wholeheartedly and passionately following him, then we found somebody that we can agree with something on, and that should be the starting place. And all of these discussions, maybe, you, maybe you've listened to Josh and I today, and you're listening, and you've completely disagreed with where we put stuff in the tears. The, the most important thing I could communicate to you is it doesn't matter who disagrees with you and on what tier that disagreement is in. There is a way to communicate in a way that honors Christ. Um, and Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon said it best, I think, when he said this. He said, we should have a warm place in our heart for any true believer in Christ. Yeah. Josh, I think about these, these Christians in Afghanistan right now going through all this persecution. I mean, some of them marked for death. I don't know anything about their, their doctrinal beliefs outside of the fact that they profess the name of Christ. And I have a warm, I mean, I have a warm place in my heart for those people. I wish there was some way to move some of them into my home tonight mm. to get them out of harm's way. I wish there was a way to do that. And I, I just, I hear Spurgeon and I think, do I really act that way all the time? It, you know, what's weird, Josh, tell me if you've not experienced this. It feels sometimes like the people who are closest to us doctrinally, but just a shade off are the ones we're the harshest on. Yeah. We cannot pretend that that is motivated by doctrinal purity. That's, that's motivated by tribalism and by the desire to be right. So, I just, I want, I, I, th I hear Spurgeon say that we should have a warm place in our heart for any true believer in Christ. Josh, there's no place for us as Christians to hold our hand out at an arm's length. Oh no, I know you're part of the bride of Christ, but take a step back from me. Mm. That's not, that's not fighting for unity. And I think even in the context of that quote, it is on the heels of Spurgeon being in disagreement with another brother there in London sure. who held to a different doctrinal position. It absolutely was. Which adds depth to that context. Absolutely. Yeah. So all in all, man, let's strive for unity, but let's have a healthy understanding of what we believe, but, but which doctrines are essential to the, to the gospel, which ones are urgent, but not essential. Which doctrines are important? We don't break fellowship over them, but they're when you're studying Bible doctrine, they matter. <laughs> and then the things that are just unimportant at all. Yeah, Clay, I think if we would, I've said this a couple times tonight, I think if we would slow down and actually take an honest look at this, this topic of theological triage, there would be um, a lot less hurt brothers and sisters around us. And who knows, man, like, I know that this is a, a, a man-made system uh, of looking at doctrine, but who knows, maybe we could have a little slice of heaven on earth with our brothers and sisters if we would just take a moment to realize, okay, he, he, he doesn't wear a tie to church and he has a band on the stage, but I still love him to death. And man, he, he's my brother, you know? Yeah. I, I think if we would just do that, I think God be greatly glorified. Absolutely. Well, if you've enjoyed uh, today's content or if you would be interested in reading more about theological triage, as we've mentioned several times, Gavin Ortland wrote a great book on this, uh, Finding the Right Hills to Die On. And we want to be a blessing to one of you out there that listens to our show. So we're going to be giving away a copy of this book. Check out our social media today to see how 
you can be entered to win that drawing and you may get yourself a free copy of the book finding the right hills to die on well clay what do you think man josh i care so much about this issue i think we should start a charity 5k okay we'll call it the young baptist podcast gavin ortland memorial celebrity (laughs) triage awareness pro-am race for the cure (laughs) (laughs) there it is there it is thank you for listening to this episode of the young baptist podcast Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Young Baptist Pod. And check out our website at theyoungbaptistpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to leave a review wherever you consume the content. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time on the Young Baptist Podcast.